Hi, and welcome to the Dying Desk podcast, wrapping up our Olympic stories here, Olympic episodes, um, with an opportunity to actually talk to somebody who went to Beijing. Obviously, I didn't get to go this time. I've been spending my time at Palisades Tahoe for the last two weeks, anchoring our Olympic Zone show and working on our 21-day challenge stories, which has been um, kind of like a sabbatical, truthfully, <laughs> you know, like still working, but living somewhere just absolutely beautiful and getting to do something completely different every day that had nothing to do with the pandemic for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part. So it's been actually a really nice break. So, um, Olympic athletes this year are actually coming back pretty quickly. So within two to three days of finishing up their events in Beijing, they were put on planes and sent back home. And a lot of that has to do with um, obviously COVID, so reducing the risk of having people overseas. And some of it has to do with the fact that um, a lot of Olympians don't actually stay for the entire games because some of them really don't want to be there the whole time for whatever reason. They've got other things going on or they need to go compete elsewhere around the world. And in the case of Travis Ganong, it is also the latter. So he's getting ready to head out to Norway to start competing again with Team USA and the U.S. ski team. But his Olympic experience is over. So he found himself back in Tahoe, which was really great for me because I actually got to catch up and find out what it's actually been like from an athlete's perspective. So Travis Ganong is 33 years old. He's been on the U.S. ski team for the last 17 years. He was a teenager when he joined it. And he was a teenager when I met him, actually. Met him years ago, and um, he's been just really fun to cover over the years. I had an opportunity to cover Travis and his family at the 2014 Olympics in Sochi, Russia, which was an odd Olympics for sure, but his entire family went to Sochi, and the Ganong family is wonderful. They all live in the uh, Tahoe area. Dr. Ganong, his dad, is very well known in the community, and uh, they're just, just a beloved family, and he is just one of the nicest people, honestly, that I've ever gotten to interview. So he got back to town, and within 48 hours, found himself the guest of honor at one of the local charter schools. And we got invited to go watch what I think was probably one of the best school assemblies I've ever been to. <laughs> this is a school um, that is basically at the base of Palisades Tahoe Ski Resort. It's a charter school, about 230 kids. It's called Creekside School. And uh, actually, Travis's niece and nephew are students there. And so he came in for basically like a ask me questions about the Olympics kind of day. So each class had come up with questions. And the questions were awesome. They really were. The, the kids really just embraced it. And um, and he did as well. And he came in, you know, the Olympic uniform and, you know, all decked out in red, white, and blue. And it just was super fun. So what you're about to hear is a 10-minute conversation that I got to have with Travis before uh, the um, presentation started with the kids. So here are the things that we get to cover in this. Um, he'll explain the process of why he's home so early. He'll explain what China was really like from an athlete's perspective. And you might be kind of surprised by what he says. He'll also go into what those courses are like. If you've been watching the Olympics the last couple of weeks, it looks like a really, really tough ski course. He says that's actually not the case. There are other things going on there. And I was kind of surprised by that because that isn't the vibe I was getting from some of the coverage. He's going to talk about that bubble that they've had to keep athletes healthy in China and why it actually has worked pretty well with some exceptions. And then, you know, had to ask him, like, are you in it for another four years? And he kind of goes there as well. And then he'll also give us our 21-day challenge tip. I asked him, like, what is it that keeps you going? Because he is as passionate now as he was when I met him when he was a teenager. And he will um, talk a little bit about that as well. So here we go. Here's Travis Kanong on this Dying to Ask. 
Olympians, the best of the best. It takes world-class conditioning to reach this level with mental toughness that is just as rare. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick and I have covered the last 11 Olympics. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life. Well, welcome home. Thank you. Yeah, it's, thanks. It's so, I couldn't believe it. I was on Instagram and like, um, Travis and Bryce are back. Yeah. No, <laughs> that no, was it's, fast. It happened really fast. Like, it's crazy. Like, two days ago, I was in Beijing and here I am now back at home in the sunshine in California. And yeah, it's, it's nice to decompress after the really stressful couple weeks over there. I mean, it, obviously going to the Olympics is stressful, but what was the, you know, like the bigger picture of being in Beijing? We've been watching this on TV and seeing just how unusual it is. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really get to experience China that much. We were, we, we flew into the airport and the airport was closed. One of the busiest airports in the world was closed. And so we, we got, went from the airport straight to a bus, straight to the village. And so I didn't get to really see much. Um, it, was, it was at night when we got there and it was at night when we left, so it was all dark. And uh, then once we got to the village, it was like a, fifth, or a five minute walk from where we stayed to the gondola and then the gondola up to the ski area. And so that was like our little tiny world for the last 15 days. Um, just living in the village and being with our team and being with all the other countries. And it was really fun, really special being with like all the other countries in one little one spot celebrating the Olympics and, and, and focusing on our sport. But yeah, bigger picture, I didn't really get to see much of China, but one day hopefully I get to go back and check out the Great Wall and all the other sites. And yeah, it's a very unique, different different place. And it was a really fun place for me to ski. So. I mean, I guess big picture though, watching all these athletes, like if you can get in there, compete and not get COVID, that was kind of a win as well. Totally, I mean, I mean it was really stressful the weeks leading up to the games. That was kind of the, 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 the biggest chance of getting COVID and not getting the chance to go was the weeks leading up. Uh, but then with, with how strict everything was getting there, once you got there, it was actually really safe. Once you got there and you tested into the bubble and we tested every single day after those first like two, three, four days, almost everybody there was really safe. And so there wasn't really, there weren't really many cases in our village at all. Like once you got there, it was more or less normal in the village itself, so. I was thinking it's so funny, you got the Sochi Olympics and you got the Beijing Olympics. You've had two of the more odd Olympic experiences <laughs> that you could have had as an athlete. Yeah, I mean, I, I love traveling to different parts of the world and skiing in different regions and, and as soon as you get to the mountains and get up to these cool places in the mountains, it all feels more or less the same. Um, that said, it, it would have been nice to go to have an Olympic Games in like a really kind of historic winter sports culture um, with the fans and all that. So it's been kind of odd for sure. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we still get to go there and show up and compete and ski and push our limits. And it's still the Olympics. It's still the, the same high level event. And no pressure, but Cortina is in four years. So that could be kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm 33 years old now and I've been on the U.S. team for 17 years. And I've won World Cups and World Championship medals and been to the Olympics and I've done all these things. And so I'm really looking forward actually to maybe spending some more time here skiing in, in Tahoe, skiing at Palisades and enjoying my, my backyard a little more. So we'll yeah. see. I don't know if I'll, I'll be there in four years, but uh, yeah, I'll take it year by year. So. I know. It's like asking somebody who just had a baby, what do you have? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, give me a little time to, to unwind and relax. And yeah, I mean, the, the Olympics are pretty stressful. We're, we're going there to compete, we're going there to win. Like, it's not like we're just going there to enjoy. We're, 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 it's really cool being in a place where you know you're competitive and you're competing for a medal and, and being in that, being, being, being part of that story and being like part of the, the, being in the medal hunt makes it really fun and really, but really stressful too. There's a lot of pressure and 
I'm really happy with how I skied and, and how I performed and I really pushed my limits and took a little more risk than normal and, and had some really fast sections and unfortunately a couple of mistakes as well. But that's what happens when you're pushing your limits and trying to find that next little step that it takes to get on the podium. So Is that is that course as crazy as it looked? I mean there no. were, there were just no. well, I mean what No, I mean that the hill in general is actually really easy compared to what we normally race. So normally on the World Cup tour the downhill and super G courses are much more challenging, much longer, much faster, bigger jumps, icier snow much more demanding. So, I mean, if, if, if you guys thought that was crazy, definitely try to tune in and watch our World <laughs> Cup season. We race almost every single weekend. It's on NBC and, and the Olympic Channel and Peacock. And uh, you can really see what we do on a, on a weekly basis. Because those tracks we get to right. do, like the Kitzbühels, uh, the Vengens, the Valgardena, Bormio. We're going to, I'm going to Kvitville, Norway next week for the next races. And then the World Cup final, finals are in Courchevel in two and a half weeks. And so all, all of these tracks are much more crazy than, than maybe, the one we And did, you know, that's such a good point, because maybe it's just the way it looks on TV. And maybe it's like yeah. seeing some, you know, big names not do as well as they had hoped to do that yeah. like, gives you that impression. Well, of the that. thing is, like, the, the hill being a little easier and the snow being a little easier and the speed being really slow, it was really hard to separate yourself from the field. And so normally when a downhill track has teeth to it, it has like a lot of tough sections. It gives you the opportunity, if you want, to push and, and gain time where the other guys are maybe losing time. But because the hill was so easy, it was really hard to find those moments where you could push and take some more risk and try to separate yourself. So, I mean, I think the top speed was like 130 and normally we're going 150, 160 kilometers an hour. And so it was a lot slower and, and the snow was really forgiving and it was, you're skiing in the sun. So yeah, there's a lot of things that made it a little easier. And my style of skiing is more, more applicable when it's gnarly, bumpy, fast, steep, dark. Growing up skiing here on KT, it's like taught me how to, right. how to manage all those risks. And so when it's easy, it's hard for me to be as competitive. But that said, I had a great time over there. It was really fun and I'm happy to be healthy and back home and looking forward to the next couple of races. Your family, though, has lots of people to cheer for at the Olympics, <laughs> including your fiance. Yeah. Can we brag about her? She's had an amazing totally, yeah. Too. So I actually I stayed for three more days after my event to watch Marie Michelle compete in the Super G. And it was really fun sharing that Olympic experience with her. Um, the Canadian house and the U.S. house was in the same building. So we actually got to spend a lot of time together. Uh, we would play spike ball in the afternoon for dry land and, Seriously? and yeah, yeah and go to the dining hall together have meals together and go up on the hill together and it was really fun to share that with her um, and then flying home two nights ago i got to watch her race in the super g with my whole family and so i got to see that side of it as well we were all sitting in the in the living room on watching it on the tv and we tuned into the the athlete zone you can like log in and and our video gets transferred straight to the finish. So after she finished, after she crossed the line, she went over to that athlete zone and we got to talk to her right away in the finish, which was really cool. Wow. Um, so yeah, I got to see that side of it as well. Cause when we're competing and when we're athletes, we don't really see what's happening back home and how people are watching. And it's really cool how with the time change, it's more or less prime time here in California, yeah. 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Like everyone has dinner and then they go and watch the Olympics. And <laughs> Super I, convenient. <laughs> and I really, I really feel like all the hometown support and, the, and, and everyone's watching back home, which is really cool. Cause normally, when we're racing in Europe, it's at two or three in the morning and not that many people see what we're doing. So right. it was really cool to showcase our sport and I've really felt the hometown support and love. I love that you got to be the fan. Okay, one yeah. last question, because we're at a school assembly and the kids are starting to come. Yeah. Um, and we don't want to keep TKers waiting because bad things will happen. <laughs> um, we are doing this thing, we're calling it the 21 day challenge. And it's each day we're getting inspired by an Olympian to improve wellness by something that they um, do that makes fitness easier or just helps them keep their motivation going. And when I saw that you were back on snow on Instagram, cross-country skiing with Levi Leipheimer, and you were up at Palisades on a powder day, like within 24 hours of getting home, I thought your hack has got to be that you just love what you do. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, contrary you, to where does that come from? Well, so contrary to the belief that as a professional skier, I get to ski a lot. When we're when we're racing, we're not really skiing that much. We're we're going up and inspecting the hill, and we're and we're resting a lot, and then we're doing our race runs. So we're doing like two or three runs a day, trying to conserve energy and trying to stay healthy and and saving a lot for the race run. And so during the whole season, I can't wait to get home and just ski for myself and ski for the joy I have of, of skiing. You know, like without the pressure and without the stress. And so it's really fun to come home and. We have tons of snow here in Tahoe and, and connect with some friends. Go, I mean, it was a mistake to go cross-country skiing with Levi. He's quite an animal on the cross-country skis. But um, yeah, I just love coming home and, and unwinding by actually skiing because I, have a lot of, I find a lot of joy in skiing for, for fun and without the stress, you know? So. Can you explain the joy that yeah. you have for it? Because yeah. for some people, as a professional athlete, that's also their, it's their job. Yeah. So when they have a free day, like that's the last thing they want to do, yeah. but you're not that. Well, so luckily skiing is more of a lifestyle sport. It's not just like, like, a, like you're a swimmer and you go do laps in the pool or something. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle sport where you can share it with friends and family. And like, I'm going to go ski with my niece and nephew after this. And, and uh, just the joy of skiing. I mean, you, you're outside in the fresh air and the sunshine. It's such a healthy, active thing to do. And, and it's, it's so different from racing. Racing is a super high stress, competitive environment where you're really pushing your limits. But you can also come, come back here and, and go back into skiing, go for a walk in the woods and ski somewhere you never skied before and, and just be in nature and be around the trees and just unwind that way. Or go to the resort and ski all your favorite runs as a kid and rem like remember all those memories growing up. And just it makes you realize how much you love skiing. And yeah, so I, for me, I, I find a lot of balance in, in the different types of skiing also cross-country skiing I mean that's another really fun outlet for me so. so never lose the joy yeah and that's and that's important that's why I've been able to keep doing this for so long is because I can I can find that balance with my competitive side of skiing and then my skiing for myself so perfect okay one last question um, what do you want these kids to take away um, so I grew up just like these guys did here in Tahoe and I didn't have this school right in in Olympic Valley like they do they're they're super lucky to have this in their backyard um, I just want them to know that I was exactly like them growing up and, and skiing here on the Mighty Might program. And, and I remember riding the chairlift as a kid and talking with my, all my little friends like, oh, like we're going to the Olympics, we're going to do this. Like we're going we to, all, we all thought we were going to do it. And, and, and having that mindset, knowing that it's possible and knowing that people have done it from here before you kind of paving the way, like anything's possible. Isn't he fun? Such a great conversation. And actually, Travis's entire family was there. His parents were there. His sister was there, obviously, the niece and nephew, because they go to school um, there. And it was just really nice to be able to connect with them. We get to know a lot of these Olympic families as well as we get to know the athletes, sometimes better, truthfully, because you end up spending more time with them at the games. And the Ganong family has been very kind to my partner, Mike Domlong, and me over the years. And we appreciate them being you know, just so kind and welcoming to let us share their Olympic family experience and also for being flexible because we do, over the years, we, we ask families for some weird stuff. <laughs> like, could we meet you here at this time? And they almost always say yes. They almost always are so willing to share that journey because they know there are so many people back home where they all live who are part of that process of their kid becoming an Olympian, perhaps becoming a medalist, but just having that experience. And it's been a real joy over the last, you know, 20 plus years now to be able to bring those stories back to Northern California and really across the country with Hearst Television. So this was a, an unusual experience getting to be based out of Palisades Tahoe for a couple of weeks telling our Winter Olympics stories, but I've enjoyed every minute of it. And uh, I've watched a lot of television. I mean, I have watched so much sports coverage in the last two weeks, like a lot. <laughs> We'll probably take a little break from it. Thanks for listening to our Olympic stories here on the Dying Dads podcast. And we'll get back to our regular format here very soon.